It's such a privilege and an honor for me to be here and to share the Word of God with you. Um, now, in Uganda, when we preach, there's something that goes on between the preacher and the congregation that we keep saying. Um, something like, praise the Lord, and then the congregation usually replies, Amen. Do you think you can do that for me today? Uh, yeah, that, that will help me. Usually, during the sermon, you'll hear it come, praise the Lord, and then just shout, Amen. Or sometimes I might just say, Hallelujah, and just say, Amen. Hallelujah. Good. <laughs> well, yeah, I really want to thank uh, Pastor Ken and the administration of this church and the pastors and the ministers, the staff, um, who allowed me to bring the Word of God to you today. Like I said, my name is Alex Matthew Mutagubia. I come from Uganda, East Africa, and I've been ministering in Gaba Community Church uh, with Pastor Peter Kasilivu, uh, who is the president of Africa Renewal Ministries. And right now, by God's grace, I'm in seminary training at Malnoma Bible Institute with my wife. And today, there's also another great uh, person who has come with me here, who happens to be my mom. And the reason she's here is because we are expecting our first child. And um, I'm, we are praying, the doctors told us that maybe, maybe we might get the child on Easter day. So... <laughs> We are hoping that on Easter, we, we will have a baby girl coming our way, and that's very exciting news. So with that, I think we should go into the Word of God, but let me first pray. Lord, I want to thank you for the privilege to share your Word with your children gathered here today. Thank you that we can sit here with freedom to share your Word, to learn from you. We pray that um, your spirit will overtake us today. We open our minds up. We open our spirits up to your work. Lord, work in us. Teach us. And we pray that we will have the hearts to obey what you are saying to us today. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You remember. Uh, I'm going to be speaking about um, something that um, I see Jesus teach in Scripture to his disciples, but also something that uh, I learned at a very early age of my life, mainly taught to me by my mom, who happens to be here, but also through several um, events that God has brought through my life. And... Um, this lesson is a lesson we find Jesus teaching in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12. And uh, this is because many times uh, life will bring to us things, circumstances, challenges uh, that usually tend to scream for our attention. They scream so hard that sometimes um, it feels like if you don't uh, 
concentrate on them. If you don't focus on them, you are losing your life. They bring with them a lot of fear and a lot of worry um, that if you are not really intentional about it, they'll put your focus away from what really is important to something that is really less important. And what I want to talk about today, what I see Jesus teaching in this scripture in Luke, is that our focus, the focus of our life, should be more on things that are eternal, more than the things that are temporal. And Jesus sets out in chapter 12, To speak to his disciples. Though as he speaks to his disciples. Around him is a crowd of people that have gathered with a number of questions. Others with a lot of sicknesses. And they know that Jesus is going to heal them. Uh, They know that Jesus has answers to their question. However at this point of Jesus' ministry. He decides to concentrate on teaching His disciples, something that he thinks is very important because his ministry has for some reason been rejected by the leaders of that day, the Pharisees. And so he sets out to teach his disciples this great principle to live life by. And as he's teaching his disciples, someone in the crowd, not his disciple, interrupts and interjects Jesus Uh, in verse 13 and begins saying like this. We are reading verse 13 going downwards. He says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kind of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have, pl- I have, a pl- I have no place to store my crops. Then Jesus said, to, said, then he said, not Jesus, but the man said, this is what I will do. I'll tear down my bands and build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grains and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Jesus is asked, this person comes with a very important question to him. him, And he comes to Jesus and says, yeah, I understand what you're teaching your disciples, but I have something that is really important. Lord, why don't you tell my brother to share his inheritance with me? Jesus looks at this man and says, You don't understand what I've been saying all this time? Well, I'm going to put it straight toward you today. Rather than answering his question, 
he comes back to the, to the real matter of what he has been telling his disciples. And he tells him, I want you to understand that your life, the value of your life, is not in the abundance of things that you possess. The value of your life cannot be measured by what you own, what you possess right now. You're so concerned about your inheritance. However, you should be concerned about something more valuable than the possessions that you have right now. Now, I bring that out and I see the scripture teaching this, and I've seen this in my life because it is very easy for us to run after worldly possessions more than run after eternal possessions. And that happened to me sometime in my life. Um, my dad for some reason, a priest convinced him, a priest convinced him that religion is just to make society good. It's not that there is anything more to it. There is not an eternal life uh, after here. It's just that men will live together rightly, well. That's why we have all these religious laws and we have all uh, these things we tell you to Perform. That's why we want you to believe in God because if you do, then you have a reference point to be a good person. And because of that, my dad rejected religion. He rejected Christ in his life. But also that had consequences because he lost responsibility for his life. And as a result, he abandoned our family just before I was born. He went ahead and studied. Got a job in the Central Bank of Uganda, a manager of several of their branches. And what he did with a lot of his wealth is moved from one place to another, having two, three children in that area, abandoning that family and moving on to another area, abandoning that family and moving on to that area. He died in 1995 of HIV AIDS. He was a very wealthy man. He had a lot of money. I never knew his wealth. I didn't have a pair of shoes until I was seven. And my dad was a wealthy man. And at his deathbed, one of the people around him asked him and told him, you are dying. And you have had a lot of wealth. What have you left for your children? He had eight wives with 11 children. 
never took care of any of those children. And they asked him, what inheritance are you leaving the children? He said, I didn't give birth to any stupid child. Every child will work for their own property. We don't know up to now where he left his wealth. We think he left it with the bank because that's where he kept a lot of his wealth. We don't know where he left his wealth. Now, because of that, and I was in about grade five when he died, I made up my mind to study. Because in our country, the only way to get out of the poverty that there is there was you study, really study really hard, and be the top student such that you get government scholarships to go to university. And I did study hard, and I got the government scholarship to go to university. And I went to university, and at the university, I knew there's a lot of competition there. If I'm going to get a very good job, if I'm going to beat the system, I have to be a top student. And so I studied hard even at the university to be the top student. And around the third year of my university, which in Uganda, that would be the last year of university. Remember the third year, second semester, which is the last semester. I'm studying and I'm aiming at being the top student in the university, maybe to get a job as a lecturer, a teaching assistant in the university again, because that would pay well. And I'm working so hard. I would not sleep until 3 and wake up at 7 and go to class and study so hard. And all this time I was in church still. I was still uh, in youth leadership in church. But that, wasn't, that was a side thing for me. Uh, the main thing was to work hard, get out of this poverty that, we're, we've, that I've grown up in. And I remember one day sitting in a class after I had done um, an internship with one organization that was doing the things that I was studying to do. And I saw how hard these men were still working. And my mind was, I'm at the university, I'm working so hard such that I have an easier life when I get out. And yet, what I see in the field is even much hard work if I'm going to become even as wealthy as my dad was. So what's this? This working hard thing will not end. And so, and I thought, okay, well, I've worked hard. I've gained all this wealth. And... uh, I have had six children and a good wife. And then, what? And those were questions that were going through my mind. And I'm, okay, then what? Then I die. And then if I die, all this that I've worked with, worked for, so hard, I leave it for my children and my wife and then, What about me? Where is the gain in all this? Kind of feels like Ecclesiastes. But to me at that point, 
it got me so depressed. Uh, I lost morale in what I was doing. I, I am, this is pointless. And I began seeking for what is, what is that point? What, what, would, what would attach a worth to what I would be doing? And I was a Christian, but I had not really brought all these things into the perspective that I'm presenting today. My focus was not so much on the eternal things. So my heart at that time began looking for something that we really lost. And so it is at that point that my faith in Christ and what I was doing in the university kind of coincided. And I thought, whoa, the only thing that will really matter after I die is because I will face God and he will require an account for my life and say, okay, with all that you did, did you contribute to your life now that you are here in eternity with me? For what you did then, did it contribute? And that's when I made up my mind and thought, to be rich or to be poor is not the point for me. The point for me was to contribute something throughout my life, to contribute something that will be of eternal significance. Something that will last beyond time. Something that when I get to glory, when I get to meet God face to face, he will look and say, Alex, thank you for what you did. Something that when I meet a number of people in heaven, when I get there, They'll say, because of what you did, we also have life now. Now, to me, that became very attractive. Actually, it became so attractive for me, I wanted to drop out of university there and then and go to Bible training. I remember I walked to Pastor Peter's office and I told him, Pastor, I want to go to Bible school right now. And he's, uh-huh, okay, what do you want to do? I'm saying, I want to learn the Bible, learn whatever is in there, and how can I use it to bring people into the kingdom of God? Because I think that is more important. Uh, the, uh, the studies can, can wait. Because the first reason I was studying so hard was to make a lot of money. Now I didn't want to make a lot of money. I wanted to get a lot of people to get into the kingdom of God. Thank God for good pastors. Because he sat me down and said, okay, Alex, how long do you have in university? I said, yeah, I'm still, I'm in my last semester, but it doesn't matter anymore. I don't need it anymore. And he said, well, if you finish your bachelor's, you might be able to do a master's in theology 
or in the Bible or in practical ministry. Actually, he told me in Masters in Theology, and I told him, I don't want to do theology. I want to do practical ministry, things that will take people to God, lead people to God. And he said, okay, yeah, you can do a Masters in practical ministry. And that's how I ended up with a desire and a vision to get into university, into seminary for Bible training. Now, Jesus is telling us in this scripture that if you invest all your life, even by the illustration of this rich man, if you invest all your life in the here and in amassing a lot, then it is almost worthless after you leave here. But then, to so many people, that is, that is an easy point. That is, yeah, that makes sense. Why, why spend a lot of time amassing a lot of wealth? So Jesus decides to bring the point even nearer home. In the next verses from verse 22. From verse 22 he says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, He has turned back to his disciples and told them, Therefore, having heard what I said about amassing a lot of wealth uh, without having the kingdom in mind, being so rich for yourself without being rich to the kingdom, therefore, I tell you, do not even worry about life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They do not store, or they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do these little things, why do you worry about the rest? And he says, consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, or you, of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for pagans... For the pagan world runs after all such things. Your father, in, your father knows that you need them. So Jesus takes it off all these possessions, maybe the luxuries of life, and he brings it down to necessities. He boils it down to necessities. He says, how about those things that you feel, you know, life has actually told you you cannot do without them. Frankly, none of us can spend 40 days without eating or drinking. You really don't want to go 
about naked. Maybe if you're prophet Isaiah, but uh, you, 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 you don't want, you, you, it, is, it is necessary for life. And Jesus turns to his disciples and tells them, life is not even about the necessities of here. Life is not about food and drink. You cannot concentrate and just focus all your mind, spend all your energies worrying about what am I going to eat today? What am I going to drink? And when I talk about that, I know what that actually means. Because I told you our dad abandoned our family and left us with just my mom. Oh, I thank God for moms who don't desert families. I really do. But if you know something about Kampala, the demography of Kampala is amazing. Kampala has these hills and valleys. It's a city that sits on seven hills. And on top of the hills, as you enter Kampala, you will see these big, beautiful houses. They have gates within them. They are, they are fenced up. And they're very beautiful. And down at the valley, you will see a lot of shanty houses, a lot of slums. And that's where 70 to 80% of the population in Kampala lives. So the 10% live on the hills, own about 10 houses. They drive uh, brand new beamers. People in Uganda, they're people that are driving hammers in Uganda. Um, they're rich, extremely rich. And they are those that live in the slums, in abject poverty, earning less than a dollar a day. I remember growing up in such slums. And um, my mom was a teacher. And during the holidays, the teachers never earned salaries. So we basically had nothing at home to eat or drink. And I would look at these big vans, big cars, just go through, and then you look, you pass by these walls, these fence walls, and wonder, what is going on in there? Who are those people? What do they look like? How, what's so different with them? And you really don't understand what is going there. And uh, it came to a time when we had no food at home, that Several times we'd just go around their um, dustbins and look for food around it because you really didn't have food. And during those times, around the age of eight, seven, eight, that's when our mom began teaching us how to fast and pray. Well, I tell you, fasting is really easy when you don't have food at home. <laughs> But the 
there is this one day that I will never forget. Uh, Saturday, it was a Saturday, and uh, we didn't have, anyway, we didn't have food at home. But we had this fellowship that we used to go to every Saturday, where we would go and spend the whole day praying and fasting, and then we'd come back home and break the fast. Now, at around six, but we didn't have food at home to break the fast. And we went to church and began praying. And my constant prayer was, God, we don't have anything to break the fast for. Please give us some food. And to our amazement, when we came back home, on the foot of our door, there was a bunch of bananas, big bunch like this. And on top of the bunch, there was also a big fish. So we had enough food for almost a week with that. Because it is not that God is not concerned about your necessities. It is not that God is not concerned or that God hates people who have riches or possessions. But it is important that when we have all those things, or if we don't have those things, it is important for us to learn the lesson he says in verse 31. In verse 31 he says, But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given you as well. It is important that whether we have a lot of property, whether we don't have even what to eat or drink, to focus on the kingdom of God, to focus on things that will last forever, to, fo to put our energies more on things that have eternal significance than things that are more temporal. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, because what we need to understand is we are dealing with almost two worlds. I can say it's more like two worlds. We have a temporal world that has a time to eat, and we also are living in an eternal life too. And what we do today, what we do in this life um, right now here, impacts what will happen in the after here. It impacts your eternity. And when Jesus was faced uh, with a time where he knew... I'm ready to get to the cross to die and go back to my father. And I have to leave um, my disciples with something that they can hang their life on. He told them, you know what? It is very important for you to invest more of your time, more of your energies, more of your life. To put more of your focus not on the things that are going on right here today, but to put more of your focus on things that are eternal, on things that last 
forever on things that contribute to a kingdom whose beginning is not, uh, has no end and whose end has no beginning. To put more of your focus on things that are eternal. And I believe that as we walk this Christian life, as we walk this journey together with God, we need to have the same focus. Uh, I remember in 2006 when I came over, the first time I came over to the United States, I had a children's choir that I was directing. And the children's choir had three focuses. We, had, we were to bear witness to the people we came to evangelize to, uh, I mean to sing to. We are also to help these children uh, learn more about Christ and also to go back and represent the kids in Uganda that needed sponsorship and to go to school. However, the adults, three, four of us, the adults that were on the tour too, had our own needs and focuses. And at one time in the tour, it came to a point where it seems like everything, we have lost the focus of the tour and we are looking after our own things. And for me, I wanted to go to seminary. That was my thing. And I was trying to find sponsors, find people that would take me to seminary. About a few months into the tour, we, I, I realized, one time as I'm praying for the tour, I realized, wow, our focus has so shifted from what brought us, and now it's so much on us. I made up in my mind, I said, well, God, you will do this for me. I'm not going to do it for myself. So I stopped talking about it. I stopped even telling people that I have a dream to go to seminary. And I focused on the tour. Well, the tour went well. We finished, we went back to Uganda, got married to a very beautiful wife. I'm still praying and saying, God, I need to go to seminary. And um, it is in Uganda that God spoke to someone in Oregon who came to Uganda and spoke to my pastor and said, you know what, we feel God has placed it on our heart to sponsor a couple to a seminary. And guess what? That was just a day after I had gotten married. And I'm, wow, God, this is amazing. Because when I was so focused on it, it didn't come. And when I'm, I get my focus off of it, and I'm just trying to minister and be of uh, kingdom significance, now you bring it. Because it is not that God is not concerned about your needs or about the things that you have, or that God is against your possessions. Him, your eternal life matters more. And to him, you better focus on what is eternal than what is temporal. May the Lord bless you. Hallelujah.